Welcome, folks, to my spot up here on the bleachers. I'm glad you stopped by, and as J.D. Clampett would say, come on up and sit a spell. I'm Don Glenn, and this is Talking Sports on the Bleachers. You got to get it done. This is Gateway City Sports. The rumors are true. This is Talking Sports on the Bleachers with Don Glenn. A confident young man. A superb athlete. A look at the sports issues of the day. Grab a seat, pop a cold one, and let's talk some sports. Gee, that sounds kind of interesting. Gentlemen, start your engines. Rommel on the shotgun here at the snap. Rommel looking, dumps it off right side. Intercepted! Intercepted the goal line by Woodson! And there is your Gallagher! Brujol for the widespread stance. Arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 one, one pitch. A play, and there it goes! Sports on the Bleachers. I am your host, Don Glenn, and we're going to sit up here today and talk a little sports. A lot to talk about, actually. Uh, we've got the World Baseball Classic, the NCAA, uh, coming up on weekend number two. Then uh, there's some things going on in St. Louis that's got people buzzing around there. And you know something? For once, it's not the Cardinals or the Blues. We'll get to that. And my good friend, friend of the show, and Illini legend, Dion Thomas, is going to stop by. We're going to talk a little NCAA basketball and the fighting Illini. I want to tell you that talking sports on the bleachers is a proud part of Gateway City Sports. At Gateway City Sports, you will find lots of articles and content on anything and everything in and around the city of St. Louis. On a variety of sports, we cover a wide area, pro and college as well. And we also have other podcasts, too. If you got a Cub fan in the family, or you're a Cub fan with a Cardinal fan, or you got a Cub... Anyway, where you can get a Cub and Cardinal fan together. Let's just put it that way. i got a show for you to listen to. It's called The Team of Rivals, with Ron Nuttall, Pete Geddes, and Elliot Dewey. They cover everything Cub Cardinal fan will want to listen to. If you're just interested in Cardinal content, then check out the That's All Winner with Ryan Jenkins and Josh Brown. You want more Cardinal content with a little bit of extra added in? And then check out the two for three with the Moose, Mike Stevenson. And once a month, you can catch me and my broadcast partner, Russ Uncle Frank Robinson, as we do the NCAA report. And then, of course, there is always the often imitated, never duplicated Derek King Sports Show with the legend himself, Mr. Derek King. 
So go to gatewaycitysports.com, check us out. If you follow a sport and we don't cover it, let us know about it. We will see what we can do to make that happen. That's gatewaycitysports.com. Let's start off with a little baseball. The World Baseball Classic is over, and Japan has now captured their third world title, World Baseball Classic title. They beat the USA 3-2 to with the final lot coming on a strikeout by Shohei Otani of Mike Trout. With the bases empty, Trout had was up with the chance to tie the game, and Otani struck him out on a slider away after throwing him 200 mile an hour fastballs. <laughs> I guess there's you know these guys are teammates on the Angels, folks. I mean that was a, and a lot of people wanted to see that. They wanted to see that game end if it was going to be United States Japan. They wanted to see Otani and Trout. In the final inning. That's what they won. That's what they got. And Japan is the winner. Otani was also named the MVP of the World Baseball Classic. Now, there were some issues that came out of a couple of very bad injuries. And, in in, uh, you know, led some people questioning as to why we're still even playing this. And I think, I don't think there's any reason to to doubt why the game is being played. It's it's a, a very big goodwill gesture. And, you know, it, it's something that promotes. And injuries are going to happen. You know. The only thing I with these injuries is they're to really top dollar high value players, if you will. Um, Edwin Diaz uh, injured his uh, right patella tendon, and he, he wasn't even a baseball move. He was just jumping up and down. It was after the game. I mean, he struck out a struck out a batter to end the game, and was jumping up and down in celebration, and evidently came down wrong, and whoop, there went the knee. He's going. He's had surgery and going to miss all of the 2023 season. And of course, this is after the Mets just signed him to that big contract. Uh, the other high-profile injury is Jose Altuve. Now, his was an actual in-game injury. Uh, he got hit on the uh, hand uh, with a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. He is due. I think, or I'm not sure if he has had or he's due to have surgery. They do not know how much time he is going to be out. There was also a couple other minor injuries. Um, Freddie Freeman had a what they call termed as a slight hamstring issue, um, so that shouldn't hopefully not take too long to recover from. I mean, it doesn't seem like it was a torn or or uh, severely pulled, so hopefully that's going to be a quick recovery for Freddie. And then. Uh, Japanese shortstop Suzuka Genda uh, also broke a finger. So, uh, but you know, like I said, those injuries are going to happen, and they would have happened that they could have happened to those guys in spring training. Could happen to them in a workout session. Could have happened to them in a simulated game. Um, you know, anything like that. Uh, Nolan Arenado got hit on the hand. I mean, he could easily as ended up uh, like uh, Altuve. Uh, with you know a, a busted hand or broken fingers or anything like that, so you just don't know. You know they're professional ball players; they know the risk. They're going to take the risk. If they don't want to take the risk, they won't play. I mean, that's all there is to it. These guys want to play, and you can't stop. You really can't blame them or want to try and stop them from playing for their home country. I mean, yeah, they get paid to play for the Mets or the Cardinals or the Brewers or whoever. But these guys don't want to play for their home country. And then when you look at it, uh, like the Czech Republic, you know they didn't have any actual major 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 leaguers. I don't I'm pretty sure they didn't. Uh, it was just a bunch of guys that are normally have you know have forty hour week jobs that play baseball on the weekend in a club setting. So this is basically an all star team of a club league that played their way into in a tournament play to make the World Baseball Classic. The same with Great Britain. And the neat thing, both of them won a game, so now they get an automatic berth into their 2026 version of the World Baseball Classic, which they say will be played. And I say thank you for that. The call on the field stands. Touchdown. Okay, so under further review... Well, the first weekend of the NCAA tournament is was done, 
And man, was it crazy. I mean, there's a reason they call this March Madness, folks. And there is. First of all, Virginia is now not the only one, the only number one seed to lose to a 16. As Fairleigh Dickinson, out of the Northeast Conference, defeated Purdue 63-58. to Then uh, Princeton, not to be outdone, uh, Princeton from the Ivy League, a 15 seed, used an 8-0 run to come from behind and beat Arizona, a 2 seed. Then they decided that wasn't enough. So in the next round, they beat the number 7 seed, Missouri, and beat them quite convincingly, actually. Be on the watch out for Princeton. Uh, let's see what other upsets we had here. We had uh, Kansas, a number 1 seed, going down in the second round to number 8 seeded Arkansas. And I'll tell you what, folks, Arkansas could give a it could give some teams some trouble. Uh they're a team that shoots that shoots well, that plays well, that plays together, that is you know, it's not the forty hour or the forty minutes of hell that Nolan Richardson had when he was there, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, these guys are gonna push you every step of the way, so you better be ready if you're gonna play those guys. Number six seed Creighton upended number three seeded Baylor. And Baylor was one of my picks uh, to come out of uh, uh, the region. They're not there now, so it, you know who knows what's going to happen. So the Sweet 16 shapes up this way. Uh, number one in the South, number one seed Alabama plays number five seed San Diego State. Number six seed Creighton, as I said, plays number 15 seed Princeton. In the East, number nine seed Florida Atlantic. Also, another so well, not really a surprise winner. They beat an eight. I mean, eight nine. You know, it's an upset, but yeah, who cares? It's an eight nine. Uh, anyway, nine Florida Atlantic beats number four seed Tennessee. Number three seed Kansas State against number seven seed Michigan State. You know, there's an old adage that a lot of people said, "Don't ever bet against Tom Izzo." Uh, I did, and he made me pay on my brackets. I can tell you that right now. Uh, in the Midwest, number one seed Houston takes on number five seed Miami. Number three seed Xavier takes number two seed Texas. And in the West, it's number eight seed Arkansas versus four seed Yukon, and three seed Gonzaga versus two seed UCLA. So like I said, my picks, uh, when Russ and I did our, our show last week, uh, had Alabama, Baylor, as my favorites in the East, I was uh, very bullish on Duke, K- uh, K-State, and Marquette. Uh, then in the Midwest, I had uh, Texas and Houston as my top choices, with Penn State as a eh, possible. Uh, and then in the West, I had Gonzaga and Arkansas. Well, that's kind of shaping up. I've still got a lot of my Final Four teams left. Uh, sadly, Duke decided they wanted to bow out, but, you know, hey, that's that's them. They can do that if they want. There's a couple of notes and oddities I found. This is the third year in the NCAA tournament that Purdue has lost to a double-digit seed. Okay, 21, they lost to the 13-seed North Texas. Last year, they lost to the 15-seed St. Peter's, and now this year they lose to the 16-seed Fairleigh Dickinson. The last and the, before that in the tournament, which was 2019, because there was no NCAA tournament in 2020, 2019 they were in the Final Four, which coincidentally is the last time any Big Ten team has been in the Final Four. So hey, Big Ten, if you're listening, get on the stick here, guys. Okay, uh, Duke. I thought they were. They, I thought they were destined for the Final Four. They were on a run. They had won their last six regular season games. Uh, three straight wins in three days in their ACC tournament. Um, they got a five seed and they blew out Oral Roberts and then ran in. And uh, they did. You know, it wasn't an upset. They 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 lost to a four seed, four versus five. But uh, you know, I, I just I didn't think Tennessee could stop them. And lo and behold, Tennessee said, "Hold my beer." Here we go. Uh, Arkansas. Now, I thought Arkansas would be a tough game, but I thought Illinois could have got past them without too much trouble. I did have them in one of my – I'd fill out like five brackets. And I think in at least one or two of my brackets, I did have Arkansas beating Kansas. So that did actually come true. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Now, from what I said as my final four when Russ and I talked – uh, was Alabama, Duke, Texas, and Gonzaga. And um, so far, three of those are still intact. So 
I'm hoping for the best on that one. You know, if all the upsets weren't stre- stressful enough, now these teams have got this next this round of 16 or the Sweet 16, and the stress levels are going to be high. I mean, it's kind of almost like I can it's like buying a car, you know. Uh, but there's one place that's trying to change that. Fifth Street Motors, located at 2044 Rose Lane in Pacific, Missouri. At Fifth Street Motors, they want to make your car buying experience less stressful. They will help you find a vehicle you need no matter what brand. At Fifth Street Motors, they believe in giving you the absolute best price on a pre-owned vehicle. And that's going to fit your budget. They, they, they make it fit your budget. Check out what stress-free car buying can be. Give Brandon or Don a call today, 573-259-1306. That is 573-259-1306. And tell them Don Glenn from Talking Sports on the Bleachers sent you. Okay, joining me via the Gateway City Sports Zoom line is the all-time leading scorer, the University of Illinois, friend of the show, and the Associate Director of Development, Illinois legend, Dion Thomas. How you Dion, doing, big it guy? It's been a while, my friend. It, it has been a while, and there have been a bunch of changes since the last time we've spoken as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to get into those, that's for sure, that's no doubt. First, I want to talk a little bit about the, the NCAA tournament. First weekend's done, 13 yep. upsets. 13 upsets. Yeah. Two number one seeds go down. Got a 16, you got a, a number 16 seed in the fi, in the Sweet 16. Or no, it's 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Yep. Uh, two number nine seeds in the Sweet 16. What in the heck is going on? Well, you, you know what it is. This is the age of parody. Mm. And I, I think it's good um, for NCAA basketball. You know, I, I love the fact that a lot of people's brackets were busted on the first day. I mean, it just shows, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the transport portal, at least the way it is and the right. way it's constructed, because a lot of kids get left in there without opportunities to go when they had scholarships. But this is what the transport portal I guess was supposed to do. I mean, it it gave some kids an opportunity to transfer some kids that were at smaller schools that, that maybe were under recruited and and didn't have the opportunities. Now they're playing on, on teams that are bigger that have made it to the NCAA tournament. And it creates this parity. It creates a balance across um, college basketball that hasn't been seen maybe in forever. I mean, for you not to have the Blue Bloods all right now in the Sweet 16, the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Indianas, the Kansases, you know, they're all out. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's an amazing time. I mean, of course, I would have much rather had my line I playing this weekend, but, you know, they're out as well. Um, but I, I enjoy the parody. I have enjoyed watching the tournament this year more so than I think I have in a long time. Yeah, I, I tell you, they, they, some of those games have been fun to watch. That's for that's for that's for sure. I mean, uh, yeah. Princeton, Arizona, uh, that was that was just that was fun to watch. Um, of course, anytime Purdue gets beat, it's fun to watch. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> agreed, my friend. Agreed. But you know, I actually I did a um, in an interview with WLS Sports. And we were leading up to Purdue, the Purdue game. This was after Illinois had lost. We were talking the Illinois loss and what game to look for. And I told them, I was like, hey, pay attention to this Purdue game. Oh, no. You know, Purdue's the number one team. They got Zach Eady. I say, no. NCAA tournament is all about matchups. And I was like, and, and Purdue, this is a terrible matchup for Purdue. And turns out they, you know, I, I I hate to be right because you know Matt Painter and all, and you know Paul Lusk and 
Brandon Brantley are all good friends, and I really like those guys. I think they have great guys on their staff. I think Matt has done a tremendous job, but I knew that was going to be a problem, and and I happened to be right, and and they just you know went out there, and now they're the second six, the second number one seed to get knocked out by a sixteen. Your Virginia now has company. <laughs> yes, and I bet they're happy. <laughs> yeah, they finally got the monkey off their back at least. So, uh, exactly. They won't be the punchline question. Yeah, the yeah, they're they're not they're not the answer. To the, well, they're still part of the answer now to the trivia question, but they got they got help. Um, yep. The Big Ten, eight teams qualified. Yes, one team is left, and if the team I would not if you were going to say only one team is going to be left after the weekend, I would not have picked Michigan State. I did not pick Michigan State, and and I actually told someone in that same conversation, as a matter of fact, we were talking about teams that will advance. I mean, now, you know, this is one time I have to say I was wrong, and the pundits were right. Some of the pundits had them going to the Elite Eight and the Final Four, but after having seen them during the year, I was like, wow. I'm like, okay, you know, you don't better get this, though, they say in March. But this time, this, this time I kind of went against Tom and I got egg on my face. Um, I, did, I did too. Yeah, but they have really found a way. Their guards are playing tremendously. They have, I think they've recognized who they are. They're not a team that's settling for three-point shots any longer. They're driving guys. They're getting to that Michigan State mid-range and they have been highly effective. And then their their guard play has just been off the charts. And I think that is why they are still sitting there today when other teams in the Big Ten are not. One other, one final question, then we get to Illinois. Which, I don't know, which, which, which do you think is, is the bigger story, Princeton or Texas? Um, I mean, I, I would say Princeton. I mean, how often do you get an Ivy League team to do what Princeton is doing? You know, we talked about that that parody. We talked about how balanced things are are going. But even with that, you never talk about Ivy League schools. So they're kind of above and beyond even the things that we have have spoken about. And, you know, the old Pete Carrillo days have have seemed to have come back uh, over there. And I'm, I mean, I'm happy for those guys. You know, you, you, you got the guys that are going to be corporate CEOs. I'm, very many of them will not be running up and down a NBA basketball court in the coming years, but they'll have stories to tell about how they made it to the Sweet 16. Oh, yeah. No, their accomplishment is definitely something that I, I, you know, like you said, you just don't see. Because when I was doing our, our bracket show, we got to these games, and I said, uh, the Ivy League ever get tired of being the the one end doormat for for the rest of the? And lo and behold, they turn around and knock out Arizona. It's like I and it was something we didn't expect to see. Oh no! What I, I was thinking that you know when you're talking about uh, Terry down in Texas, uh, you know taking over that program and then putting them where they're where a lot of people have them in the final four of the championship game. And the reason they weren't. They weren't at so remember Illinois played them earlier in the year. Yeah, uh, and Illinois beat them in an overtime game in New York. But I saw the potential in in that Texas team, um, so that's why they're not as as big a story to me as as um, this as Princeton. But you know when you got guys like you know Marcus Carr was a really good guard in Minnesota for several years here in the Big Ten. So I had an opportunity to watch him play and to cover and to cover him and he's become, you know, their leader down there. I mean, I, I loved him when he was here. He was an all Big Ten selection when he was here and now he's gone down to, to Texas and has continued that streak and to be honest, has gotten better uh, as a point guard. So that's that's why I chose Princeton. It's just because, you know, that that Texas team was always Pretty doggone good. I mean, you know, you know, and that well, they even put some whippings on some people. So now the bigger story is going to be if the Texas athletic director and them give that guy a job. I mean, he's done a great job down there, and he still has an interim tag hanging over his head, yeah, which, right. which is a now that might be the biggest story. I right. mean, how, how has he not been offered or given a, a contract? And maybe he has. Maybe they just don't want to announce it right now, but. You know, I, I was just on uh, a call yesterday and someone asked me, hey, did you hear Brad Underwood is going to Texas? And I'm like, 
uh, I had actually heard some some stuff about that like weeks ago before the NCAA tournament even started. I was like, but Brad's not going anywhere, um, at least by my understanding. Um, and, and in speaking to him, I, I doubt that's even a possibility. But the fact that people uh, no, are even talking about uh, another coach coming into Texas being where they are right now is, you know, I, I, it's suspicious. It's crazy. It's dumb. It's ludicrous. I have no idea. You can choose a word from the Webster Dick dictionary that just means that they are absolutely out of their mind if they don't keep this guy as coach. Well, but, well, I mean, they the uh, athletic director fired the football coach after uh, winning a bowl game, and, <laughs> and so you know, very true. You don't know what's going to happen. Things that happened in Texas. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no doubt. You know, if, if I had to describe the only basketball season in two words, I put it down as missed opportunities. How okay. would you describe it? In, in two words? Yeah. Complete letdown. Ooh. Okay. I guess the I guess letdown would be three words. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. We'll put, we'll put a hyphen in there. And make it two words. There you go. I like that. Thank you for the save. Um, <laughs> No, I, I just think this team had so much potential. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, this is – I used to always tell people, you know, you'd hear, I'm sure you've heard the expression, uh, great players make great coaches or players this. The, the greatest thing that coaches can do mm-hmm. is build teams and put guys together when you're balancing the different um, characters, the different skill sets, the different – mindsets you become a a coach you're their mother you're their father you're their psychologist you become all of these things but then you have to build a team brad built a really good team you know length athleticism skill i I even went on the record and said that this is probably the most skilled team uh, we've had since 89 and maybe even beyond that, because what Dane Danger does in the low post with his ability to dribble, pass, shoot, we haven't had a big like that, um, or at least show those, I mean, since I was in school. And my job wasn't really to pass very much, so I didn't showcase a whole lot of passing <laughs> at that time. But, I mean, this team is, let down a lot of people and I'm, and I'm sure they let down themselves as well but the internal things um and i'm not saying internal with the team internal personalities mm-hmm. somehow just you know did not mesh and i think that is what dragged this team down yeah i mean uh, you, you mentioned dangers um athleticism i and not having seen that around and i think if i had to Think back of who, what big man or man in the middle had. I got to go back to Kenny Norman before I, that. That I have since I've seen any kind of a, athletic uh, prowess out of that post position. I mean, that, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel, got. Don, I'm gonna feel a little shaded on that man because you passed yeah. me over. I know, I know, but. But, Damn, my feelings are a little hurt, big guy. Well, yeah, but I, th- I think I think Kenny was a little faster than you were. No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might give you stronger, but faster? <laughs> really? Wow, Don. Oh man. But, no, okay. yeah, but, but, yeah, but everyone but, has but, their opinions. But it's been a while. But it has been a while since we've seen that in the low post of Illinois. Somebody with oh, that no, kind no of ability. Doubt. No, no doubt. You know, his dad and I actually played together, um, Dane's dad, that is, and I played together in high school. Um, You mentioned it before, yeah. Yeah, and his father had a really, really good skill set. He and I, you know, we talked about Dane before he got to Illinois, so I kind of had an idea, but I, I would have to say I was even surprised by Dane's ability. Yeah. Um, when I saw him come in last year at over 300 pounds, I saw the work he put in to get him his weight down and, and to get him. But I still did not realize, even at 300 pounds, the feet that young man has and his spin move and his skill level was just off the charts. And as long as he continues to, one, shed the weight, build muscle, he, he, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, and, and as I told him this year, 
make sure you just buy in and listen to what what Flett says, which is the strength and conditioning coach at Illinois, and you continue to learn from these coaches. Because if he does that, he should be playing on he'll he'll definitely be playing on the next level. Now, which level that is, I don't I don't get into that's not my job. <laughs> that, that's, so, that, that's, that's under your prognostication skills. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> not my job to decide where he goes. But I think he is, um, with his footwork, as good, if not better, than some of the guys that are playing in the NBA. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, we all know, I mean, it was, it's very widely figured out that Illinois' three-point shooting this year, basically, it was horrible. <laughs> Woeful at best. Yes. Is that a result of missing Luke Goody that much, or is that a result of having inexperience at the point? Um, well, I won't, I won't blame it at the point. Now, the one thing I will say not having a point guard is you had two guys, um, three guys, including Coleman, that were really trying to create um, different things. And in those moments of creation, they took some really bad shots. I mean, just terrible. A lot of people would get really excited off of, you know, Matt Myers, dribble, dribble, step back or step to the side. But that is a low percentage shot. Or or Terrence Shannon just dribbling up when no one's in rebounding position or anything else and firing up one. Or Coleman Hawkins, who got caught far too many times because he, he was playing the point guard a lot of the times at the top of the key, you know, about three to five feet behind the line, and he'll just fire one up. Those are low percentage shots, and they're and they're very bad shots for a team that's already struggling. So I think shot selection was probably worse than you know not having a true point guard for a long time or not having uh, Luke Goody uh, for the amount of time that he missed. And one other thing, I mean, RJ Melendez, we all saw him shoot the ball last year, oh, yeah. so we know how well he can shoot the ball. There, there was something going on with him either mentally or, you know, what they call it in golf, he had the yips. <laughs> Whatever it was, I mean, for that young man to shoot as poorly as he did this year was uncharacteristic um, for him. And I think that also contributed in the low three-point percentage numbers. But he picked it up later on in the year, but, you know, by that time it was, it was a little bit too late. Well, I think I think the shoulder injury might have had something because uh, he actually wasn't that bad in the first part of the year, and then that shoulder injury just seemed like after that. I don't know whether he just lost his confidence, whether he just lost his rhythm. But you are right; that last couple got that last game. He, he it looked like the uh, the uh, old version of R.J. Melendez, if you will, or the uh, the, the the better version. <laughs> exactly. Good point. I mean, I to be honest, the season was seemed like it was so long. I had forgotten about the shoulder injury. So great, great point, Don. I, I think that definitely could have um, caused some issues. Yeah. As I as, as I keep going, as we've gone through the season, and I look at the different social media boards, and I see the different uh, posts and whatnot of people saying, a lot of people really wanted to put blame somewhere, and a lot of them always would come back with a, you know, we've got the. Underwood can't adjust. He's a terrible coach. He's a bad in game. He can recruit, but he can't. He can't. He's not a good X's and O's. Personally, I don't think that's the case at all. I think I think Underwood's probably one of the better X's and O's coaches out there. I mean, maybe maybe not as good as a, as as a Coach K or somebody like that. Who's how much blame or credit does Underwood deserve? Well, let let me start off by saying this. You know this. You've been around this long enough. They're always going to be what they call the Sunday morning quarterbacks <laughs> or the off-field coaches. You're always going to have people that are going to try to point the finger or, or find some fault, uh, especially in, in the coach or, or even the players. And, I mean, you know, on our Illini message board sometimes, our fans, as much as I love them, tend to be uh, far too critical and they tend to turn and make things personal at times. Uh, and, and I don't think that's good. I don't think it's fair. Uh, I've walked the sideline and, and tried to um, get 17 to 22-year-olds to do exactly what you want them to do. For anybody that thinks that's an easy job, try going into coaching because it's not. 
It is an extremely difficult job, but that's why, you know, a lot of the times these coaches are paid what they are um, because they're, that's their lives 24-7, and that's the uh, effect on their families 24-7. Now, with that being said, as the head coach, yes, I mean, part of it is uh, falls on you. And if anyone has listened to a Brad Underwood um, interview, post-game, during the, he always takes responsibility. He takes responsibility even when it's not his fault. And, and that's one of the things that you want your head coach to do. He sticks up for his players. He understands, you know, when they have to be called to the carpet. And he also understands when they have to be hugged. This year was probably his best coaching job trying to balance and build a team in this new era of NIL and the transfer portal. Did they underachieve? Oh, yeah, definitely. And he'll be the first one to tell you that this team underachieved. Did he tell, would he tell you that there were some things that he could have done better? No doubt. He would have told you, he'll tell you there are some things that he could have done better. But the great thing about great coaches is they learn and they adjust. And if you look at this team in the beginning of the year, the adjustments we made and then the run we went on. And then, as I said, there are some things that coaches cannot do. I, I can't play for the people. He can't play for the guys that are out there on the court. When you're telling guys to do things and they decide to do something different, then that's very difficult. Most people say, well, they take them off the court and sit them out on the bench. And I'd be a proponent of that as well. But also you got to understand when you're taking your best players off the court, then you, you know what comes with that more times than not is an yeah. L. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then now you got another complaint. <laughs> from the people. Why are we losing all these games? Why isn't he playing the Matt Meyer? Why isn't he playing Terrence Shannon Jr.? I mean, when you, you know, Brad is a culture guy, uh, and he has said many times this is a development program, and it is. How good did, I, did our freshmen look this year? Whew, pretty doggone good. How good did our sophomores look after, you know, Luke, I mean, Luke, when he came back, in my opinion, after missing so much time, looked pretty doggone good. RJ eventually got his confidence back, and he was probably the most impressive player on the floor down the stretch. That's where development comes in. Right. You know, Coleman Hawkins, a lot of people will be angry at Coleman. I was angry at Coleman at several points throughout the year. Uh, but what Coleman Hawkins brings on this team was he did a heck of a job. Let me just say that. Right. Could he have done better? Yes. He'll be the first one to say he could have done better. But, again, to watch the development and to see a kid grow from being a three-star athlete, uh, which no one really gave a whole lot of love to, to being one of the guys that the NBA really likes because of his skill set and the things that he can do. There's a lot of development there. Mm -hmm. But then, like I said, in this new era, of NIL and transfer portals. I mean, you're recruiting kids that you don't have a relationship with, you know, at least not the ones that you build over time. And that's where the scary, the crazy thing is. I mean, because most times are not, you know, these coaches are talking to agents. They're not talking to the kids. So that was the beauty of college sports before this new era. You were able to build and grow relationships. And now you're, you're bringing in guys and they can tell you, you know how it is in a job interview, Don. You put your best foot forward in the job interview. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Doesn't necessarily mean that you are. <laughs> you know, oh, coach, I do whatever I have to do for the team. I'll dive on the floor. I'll eat rocks if I have to. But then you get the kid in the program and then they don't do that. So, I thought Brad did a commendable job this year. Wasn't his best. Well, wasn't his best as far as production, but I think it was his best as far as keeping this team that I think a lesser coach, we, we would have, we would have been in the bottom of the Big Ten, but we were battling for, you know, the second or third place. Now it, everything else was all jumbled up. So we ended up falling where we fell after 
losing our last game to Purdue, but we still had a shot at the Big Ten, a share of the Big Ten title, even with all of the dysfunction that was going on. How do you say that's not a good coach? Yeah, good, good point. Good point. We know there's going to be some some defections. I, I don't yeah. I don't think there's any any way we can ever say it other way. And you just, you hope it's not the most key cogs that are going to be leaving the wheel, so to speak. But mm-hmm. we know we know we're losing Matt Meyer. I mean he's he's gone. He's guaranteed. Coleman Hawkins. Right now, I think he and Shannon both are in that forty to forty six range as far as the NBA draft board goes. How far down they are. And actually, Shannon does have the ability to come back one more year. They both do. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, Coleman's a junior, but uh, I think Shannon's got his COVID year left. Yes, he does. That's correct. What's your feeling? Do they both come back? Do they both leave? Is it a mix and match? Well, what I believe will happen, um, and of course, I wish I had a crystal ball, they will, in my opinion, they'll both declare uh, for the NBA draft. They will go and listen to what the execs have to say. And I'm sure, and I'm not going to say I'm sure, I believe after speaking with several of my friends and colleagues that are scouts, will tell them that they need to come back to school. So that's what I'm expecting uh, for them both to be back in Champaign uh, next year. And I just think it's the better, it would be the better decision for them both. Right. I mean, if Aaron Shannon comes back, uh, and Zach Eady will probably come back as well. But if he comes back and he, Terrence, that is, comes back and makes the changes in his game. Right now, everybody played him left. He struggled going right. If he can come back and become a more consistent three point shooter. You know, his his athleticism and his speed and quickness from end to end, you're right, will get him in the 40s. He comes back and improve on those things. He's a first-rounder. I mean, after the first few games in the year, he had bumped all the way up to the first-round draft board. Yeah. Now, you come back, you're more consistent, and you are in the in the running for Big Ten Player of the Year. You continue to play and improve on what you did, and now you're a first team, or I mean, a second, first or second team All American. That bumps your stock way up. Right. Coleman Hawkins, he has to become a more consistent shooter. He has to become a more dominant player. Period, and he has to show guys that. I mean, I've had conversations with um, scouts that are like, "That's the Coleman Hawkins we want to see." Where he was playing in the post, he's putting the ball on the floor. He's utilizing that skill set. So I think they both come back. If there are any defections, in my opinion, it'll probably be from the freshman core. Um, I, I hope not. Um, I, I would love to see all of those guys back, but those are normally the people that are moving on. You know, those, you normally see it from your younger group, not your older group uh, of guys that are leaving. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I know they're going to be having their – their exit interviews or conversations coming up in the near future. So hopefully they'll, you know, we can get those guys to get back. Yeah. Cause with, I mean, you know, with the two kids we got coming in, in, uh, uh Hansberry and, um, uh, Gibbs Lawhorn. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's going to be imperative that if we can't keep some, a couple of those freshmen, we're going to have to go out and get through the portal. Uh, another shooter, uh, definitely a, a veteran point guard. I think we still yeah. need a veteran point guard anyway, regardless. I still think he's got to go out and get one of those. I agree. But uh, I, I would love to see, I, I, for me personally, just selfish reasons, I want to see Rodgers and Epps stay because I think those two guys have a chemistry that just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's been tapped yet. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I mean, both of them have a, a have a ways to go as far as development, both from the outside, putting the ball on the floor, um, and, you know, want to, you know, get to the mid-range game as well as extending it out to three. But what they have in spades is their energy, their toughness, their dogged mentality. You just don't find that um, in a lot of places today. I mean, it's almost become a skill to play as hard as those two kids do. And, you know, back in my day, that was mandatory. <laughs> you know, you you had no choice. 
Now, you know, even when was I play, was coaching. It was players sit back then. <laughs> exactly. Now, even now when I was coaching, I mean, you, we would go out and specifically look for guys that were those kind of, right. of junkyard dogs. And so today it's even, you know, more difficult to find guys that play as hard as they did. So yeah. to be able to, to keep them, uh, I, I love Jade Knapps and, and what he brings to the team and looking at his development this year. But like you said, we need a we need an older point guard. We we need an old point guard. Um, but I love him, and I hope he comes back. I hope we keep sincere. I hope we keep them all. Yeah. But like you said earlier, probably not likely. Yeah. Well, Dion, uh, I know you. I know it's, uh, you're getting your day started. It's kind of busy, so yeah. I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm gonna let you go, and I want to thank you for coming on. And um, you, are you still doing the champagne on ice? I haven't looked. I haven't checked lately. I am, I am, I am actually about to do a, a season wrap up. Okay. Um, and I'm going to do the season wrap up, and then I think I'm going to do some things in the summer here and there. You know, maybe once every other week, just to have maybe some recruiting talk or okay. or things of that nature uh, to keep it going throughout the summer. Uh, I hope that I can get my sponsors to cover the summer one, but if not, then I'll do it on my own anyway, <laughs> simply because it's just fun to do. Okay. Uh, but yeah, champagne on ice is still is still rolling. Well, again, I want to thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's been fun always, and we'll get we will definitely get together again. Hopefully, I won't take as long to get back to you this time, but uh, maybe touch base over the summer once or twice. See how the like you said, check in on recruiting and that kind of thing, and we'll go from there. Sounds like a plan, Don. Thanks again for having me, my friend. All right, thank you, sir. Hey, that was uh, Dion. I, I I really like having Dion on. He is just such a such a wealth of knowledge and a really great guy to talk to. So I really appreciate him coming on. Uh, you know, he we mentioned talking about ha- having um, getting some a point guard and stuff like that. And you know, I think to me that's just that's just something that Brad Underwood's going to have to do uh, to protect the team. You know, and we all know how important it is to stay protected. So just like a quarterback stays protected in the pocket, you need to have someone. Protect your things. And that's why you need Allstate. Because sometimes life is going to throw you that curveball. Well, the Wiley Group has two locations in Festus and Arnold to serve you. They offer great rates uh, on uh, home, auto, boat, motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and much more. They've got a customized approach that's unique to your situation to make sure you, your family, and your assets are properly protected. Give Sean and his team a call today, 636-764-6294. That is 636-764-6294. They'll help you with an insurance quote right over the phone because that's the way they roll. Even give them a call if you just want to talk sports. I should probably have them on the show someday. What do you think? Hey, we work, with work and kids and social functions, you're always on the go. We have busy lives. So you can email Sean, Sean Wiley, at Allstate.com, S-E-A-N-W-I-L-E-Y, at Allstate.com. Talk to him about your coverage options. And remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. Under the arch. Normally this time of the year we're talking about the Cardinals and the Blues. And that's about all we talk about. Well, this year there's a couple other teams out there that's kind of getting people to stand up and take notice. And the first one is St. Louis City SC or the St. Louis City Soccer Club. Brand new expansion team in MLS. And they're already setting records. They're 4-0. And in the history of the MLS, there's never been an expansion team go 4-0. So they've set that record. Right now, they are uh, leading the league in points with 12. They are tied for the lead in goals with 11. Uh, they're just playing phenomenal. They're third in the power rankings. They've sold out uh, their two games at St. Louis, and they're just they're they're, they're taking the city by storm. They are uh, led by forward. 
J.O. Klaus, and I hope I pronounced that name right, the first name, not the last name, um, with three goals, uh, and midfielder Edward uh, Lowen with three assists, and both of those guys are leading the league. Their next game is going to be in Sandy, Utah, facing off with Real Salt Lake at 8.30 on Saturday the 25th, and it can be found on Apple TV. The other new team that's kind of causing uh, a little bit of stir is the Battle Hawks. They started out really good, 2-0. Uh, they've cooled off a little bit. They've lost a couple games uh, to the same team. It's probably not the good team to lose to, uh, as that's the D.C. Defenders, who is leading the uh, North XFL North. And um, it's uh, going to be quite hard for the Battle Hawks to take them over. I mean, they're, they're going to have to fall on hard times. I mean, the Defenders, that is, so... Uh, but the Battlehawks, you know, they're they're playing good enough. They probably will make the playoffs, and that's a good thing. They're led by A.J. McCarron, uh, who's uh, third in the league in passing yards with 1,086. He's tied for first with touchdowns with 11. Uh, he's got a 65.5% completion rate, which is good for uh, second in the league. Uh, he's thrown to 13 different receivers in just the five games. He's uh, completed... Uh, 108 out of 165 passes. His leading receiver is Hakeem Butler, 30 catches uh, for 336 yards. Both of those are second in the league. Uh, he's got four touchdowns, which is tied for second in the league. Brian Hill, the running back, 49 carries, 255 yards, which is second in the league. He's got uh, one touchdown, but a 5.2 yard per carry average, which is number one in the league. So offensively, they're putting up some. They're putting up some numbers. They got some good numbers. Uh, defensively, they've got good numbers as well. Willie Harvey leads the team with 34 tackles. Mike Rose has 28 tackles. Uh, he's uh, Willie Harvey is third in the league, and Rose is sixth. Uh, Force fumbles. Lakeo London is tied with Travis Sweeney for the team lead with two. They're also tied for second in the league. Travis Feeney also has uh, two fumble recoveries, as does Kevin Atkins and Ben DeLuca, and they are all tied for second in the league. Uh, excuse me, that lead the league with two. Nate uh, Meadows, the defensive back, leads the team in interceptions. He's tied for third in the league with two. Uh, the Battle Hawks also have not had found it hard to sell out the stadium. They sell out, uh, sold out both their home games. Um, so, you know, they'll keep rolling on. Their next game is also the 25th at 8.30 versus the Vipers. The Blues, unfortunately, um, it's going to be a lost season because they're going nowhere fast. And, you know, with the uh, uh, fire sale they've had on on uh, some of the players, you know, you can't tell me this is not uh, the precursor to a rebuild. And uh, they're they're getting younger. They've gotten younger, so we'll have to see if that carries into into some success in next year and beyond. So that brings us to the Cardinals. Uh, a quick injury note: Paul D. Young will probably start the season on the injured list. He's having some more problems with his back. Uh, I, you know, they said he reworked his swing in the off season. Okay, he ended the off season hitting 157. He's currently hitting about 154. I think he reworked it the wrong way. Whatever he's done, though, he did, he is is getting, I guess, a little bit better at not swinging at stupid pitches uh, because his walk rate is up and he's got an on base percentage. Even though he's only hitting like 150, he's got an on base percentage that's in the 400s. So you know you have to wonder. Is he fixing the swing, or is he just fixing what he's swinging at, and not fix? I so I don't know what to what to think about Dion. Uh, I think he's probably not much longer for this team. I this is his uh, year before his options or his uh, yeah his options kick in, and uh, I don't think uh, I don't think St. Louis is going to pick the options up. I mean, they weren't going to pick up $12 million for Colton Wong, and he was a gold lover. They're certainly not going to pick up $12 million uh, for Paul DeYoung when he's only hitting a buck fifty. I mean, you hit a buck fifty, and you just don't don't plan on being with the team too damn long. I can tell you that right now. Uh, now, what does that do? 
If he's going to be on the DL, who does that open a spot up for? A lot of people are, I know what you're thinking, Mason Wynn, Mason Wynn. Well, they're not going to bring up Mason Wynn when they've got Tommy Edmond playing shortstop, and they're not going to get rid of Edmond. Uh, that's just not going to happen unless, I mean, if some crazy deal falls in their lap, then yeah, they'll get rid of Edmond. But they're not going to get rid of Edmond just to play Mason Wynn. Uh, you've also got uh, Donovan, uh, Brendan Donovan can play short. So needing win uh, to come up with the team is not going to happen. I don't know if that makes win trade bait. I don't think it does because I think maybe they're looking down the road. Uh, do they, you know, in a couple of years, is Edmund still going to be at shortstop? Is Gorman still going to be there? Is, you know, you don't know. So I think maybe. They hold this year. They stay in a holding pattern this year with Win, and then try and make a decision in the off season. Um, now, who it may open a spot up for? There's a couple guys that are uh, making a case to be that that uh, bench infielder, if you will. Um, someone like a Taylor uh, Motter or uh, Cameron Robertson. You know, both of them been had a really good spring. Motter has shown some good power with three home runs and 47 at bats. As well as propensity to get on base, he's got a 3.45 on base percentage. Now he's only hitting about 2.30, but uh, he plays a really good D. I've seen a couple play running play look like uh, Aronado. He's been he's been paying attention to what Aronado's Aronado's been doing. I can tell you that right now. He's got a pretty good glove. As for Robertson, he's slashing 292, 415, 554 in a very limited time. Uh, now Robertson is primarily a second baseman, but he can play short in middle infield. Uh, Motter is primarily a third baseman, so you know they they may keep both of them and just go with one extra outfielder uh, when they bring up Jordan. Because like I said, Jordan is coming north with the team. I don't care what anybody thinks, says, or how they're feeling. Is it Jordan is coming north with the team? Alec Burleson is going to be in Memphis. Just bank on it. Uh, you know, all you have to do is look at the stats, and that's going to tell you. And like I said, it's been noted before. If they're going to bring Walker up, they are not going to have him ride Pine. Walker will be starting or will be in some type of a uh, rotation where he's playing at least five days a week to get at bats. I just bank on that. Pitching-wise, the rotation, as we've known as, I don't know, since the end of last season what the rotation was going to be, uh, Wainwright, Michaelis, Montgomery, Matt's Flaherty, Hudson and Libertor have both been optioned to Memphis, so leaving the long relief uh, spot starter job to Jake Woodford or Andre Palante or both, um, that that could be possible. Although Zach Thompson, I think, is also going to be in that bullpen, so he could take some uh, long relief innings from the left side if you need him to. I think Cabrera will be back in the bullpen. I, you know it's going to be Helsley and Gallegos in the, in the 8th and ninth. Then after that, a couple of names that I didn't think I'd be talking about uh, as far as coming north in the bullpen, uh, Drew Verhagen. I had to look twice at the stats to to to, <laughs> to think it was looking at the right one. 129 ERA with a 0.8 whip, or 0.71 whip, excuse me, Um He's got six strikeouts, two walks, and seven innings. Now, Zach Thompson, like I said, he's been doing his best to make sure that he stays on the team. In 10 innings, he's thrown, uh, he's got a 1.8 ERA and a .80 whip, nine strikeouts and only one walk. Um, a couple other names that might have a shot uh, in that bullpen. If they want to go with another left-hander or if Cabrera doesn't make it and they need another left-hander, I think Anthony uh, Miskowitz uh, may have a shot at that. Like I said, I think Palenti may have a shot in the bullpen. Uh, Jordan Hicks, I don't know if he'll be in the bullpen or if he's going to start at Memphis. He's having his issues, uh, having some control issues, or at least he's had them uh, so far, and maybe they're kind of straightening out. And if he gets them straightened out before um all the decisions had to be made, then he can come north. But I think he could be one that could be start have to start down in, in Memphis to get his his skill set right, if you will. So anyway, well I'm gonna tell you what, that about does it for me. 
Uh, don't forget, if you like the show, talk to your friends, tell them about it, tell them they can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcast. You can check out the show's website, talkingsports-otb-gcs.onpodium.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, T-S-O-T-B-G-C-S. Oh, that's at T-S-O-T-B-G-C-S, sorry. Uh, so until next time, have fun, stay safe. And we'll see you again when we can talk sports on the bleachers. Good night, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. And you have been listening to Talking Sports on the Bleachers. Here's hoping you have a great sports day.